Please be advised that this episode may contain strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to What the Forks, a podcast in which we revisit a teenage obsession, Stephanie Meyer's Twilight Saga. We're finding out if our love for the series will shine eternal or crumble to ash under close inspection. I'm Chloe. I'm Isaac. And in this episode, we're talking about the second half of Eclipse, the third novel in the saga. Episode six, can you believe it? I cannot believe it. How the hell are you? What a shit week. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. It's been fucking atrocious. <laughs> it's so funny how this happens to both of us at the same time. I mean, it's not I the same thing. I love it. It's been, well, our souls are connected. Do you want to go first or shall I? No, you go first. Oh, my wisdom tooth's infected. That and this sucks. has happened to me before. Three years ago, I had my other one, one of my other ones out, and it took months to get it taken out. So I went to the dentist and I was like, right, I want it out now. Yeah. They won't do it. They won't remove my wisdom tooth because it can cause complications until it's been affected multiple times. Oh, that's great, isn't it? Oh, it's just, it's the worst. I remember being told about wisdom teeth probably the same time I got told about the menopause. And I just thought, when does it end? (laughs) (laughs) Why must I suffer? (laughs) And we've both just been... It's just been... Work's been shit. But I'll tell you, I'll spin it around, though. Mm-hmm. This week has proved who my friends are. I have an amazing support system. And I've subscribed to this thing called the Happy Newspaper. Right. Have you heard of this? No, no. Don't stop being sceptical. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> it looks amazing. Okay. So I read this report on this girl called Emily. She was like, I'm so sick and tired of the news. And it's all so depressing. It's all so tragic. And there's never anything good. Mm-hmm. And she said that the news was affecting her mental health. So she decided that she was going to use her talents and create a happy newspaper. Um, that is amazing. That is amazing. So it's just good news? It's just from happy that news. Quarter? Well, it's like just stuff that she finds either in the news and also things that will make you smile in a in a newspaper. So it's called The Happy Newspaper? Yeah. By Emily Coxhead? Yeah. So cool. She looks so cute as well. <laughs> You're just stalking her on Instagram Yeah, a little bit. Because it's the second episode of Eclipse, we get to talk about the physical book. Eclipse was originally published in 2007, but mine is a 2009 reprint of a 2008 edition. This particular copy of mine I got on eBay because after getting the last two, I wanted to try and find something different because so far our our editions have been pretty similar. Mm. So I found this edition that I'm holding now and it's got red edge painting or inking. I quite like it. It's maybe a special edition. I'm not sure. I tried to do some research on it. Couldn't find anything. I couldn't find anywhere it's called a special edition. It does run if you get it wet or steamy. Why have you been getting it wet or steamy? In the shower? In the bath. I've been reading in the bath. And um, (laughs) so it will run. You you can see paler parts on on the kind of edging. I don't think anybody was going to inspect it. but um... It runs onto the page (laughs) where my wet fingers have touched it. So um, it's not the the most robust of of ink jobs, but um, but it's cute. <laughs> the cover. Um, yeah, like what the fuck. Oh oh okay. Yeah. I, you have thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like seriously, this is one of my questions. It's like, what the fuck is this? It's a Be- ribbon. Yeah. Is it from Bella's red shirt? Oh, oh, very good. Thank you. The red shirt that the vampire steals from her bedroom. Yeah, that she was so fond of, apparently, but never wore. Yeah, I I had not thought that. 
Mm. I, to be honest, had not thought about the ribbon at all. Oh no, that was like, it's really important. Um, so thinking on my feet, um, <laughs> it's, it's a fraying ribbon. It's It symbolises... She's being tugged. <gasps> yeah, she's, she's being, being pulled yeah. from two ends. Yeah. Really? Two bell ends. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> it's true. Um... Yeah, so this is Bella fraying into pieces as she's pulled in two directions. Well, that's what happens after New Moon. That is literally... Yeah. Her mental state. Fonts. We always have something to say about fonts. Yeah. I certainly do. After a blessedly font-free New Moon, this book is lousy with fonts. We've got Jacob's Notes, we've oh. got newspaper prints, we've got email, Bella and Edward's handwritten notes to and from each other in class, the flyer, Charlie has a handwritten note, we see Charlie's handwriting... And at first, I was very frustrated, because, if you remember, I was really excited. In New Moon, we had a handwritten note just in italics. Yeah. No need for any silly font play. But literally, the first page, Mm -hmm. it's just covered, and it's actually got ink splatter. I know, I thought that was so tacky. The crossings out, and I get it, that serves a narrative purpose-ish. Does it? No. Well, it's telling us... And Bella is telling... Is using an ink fountain? Yeah, why is Jacob writing with a quill and ink? (laughs) Because biros don't do that. Seeing all this variation of font really makes me question, it's the first time I thought about this, whether we're supposed to consider eclipse... mm, I can't say this word. What is this word? Epistolatory. Epistolon... Right, Uh, let's try this. Epistolary. Oh my god. Epistolary. Wow, yeah, I'd added a whole syllable in there. It makes me question whether we're supposed to consider Eclipse to be an epistolary novel. No. No, because it's not It's not in the form of letters. There's a couple. But it's not always in letters. Dracula has diary entries and newspaper clippings in it as well. I don't know. Like, it just made me wonder, are we actually reading Bella's diary and she's actually including these documents for us? It's a stretch. Yeah. I'll give you that. And the thing is, is that this is clearly formatted in chapters not entries with dates. This is just me trying to drag out some meaning from all this. But maybe including all of these documents, which are so heavy-handedly set apart from the rest of the text, is it supposed to create the impression of clues or evidence that we're collecting? Okay. Is it, are we kind of adding to this idea I'll that it's a... I'll give you that. Yeah, like yeah. a mystery story. Or at the very least, it's about choice. So maybe because Bella's going to be making this life-altering decision, are we being kind of presented with all these scraps of evidence which are going to help her make the decision? Mm. Maybe after New Moon, she was like, oh shit, I've really got to jazz it up a bit. How many times have we said this now? New Moon is really set apart. Yeah. New Moon looks different as a text. Yeah. Because Twilight did this, we'll see what Breaking Dawn does but it's just a lot. The plot! Could you go through from chapter 14 all the way to the end? I certainly could, thank you for asking. Jacob kisses Bella. No! It's true, it's true, I'm sorry. He kisses Bella, and she punches him, breaking her hand. Back at home, Bella has a eureka moment. She realises that the vampire attacks in Seattle and the intruder who broke into her house are connected. Bella, Edward, Alice and all their friends graduate from high school. Alice throws a massive party and Jacob shows up with a few of his cronies. And Jacob and the wolves agree to work with the Cullens to fight in the coming battle with the newborns. A truce! Bella then realises that Victoria must be behind the army of newborns. 
So Jasper leads a training session on newborn combat with the Cullens and the Wolves, and they're starting to build trust and work together. Seth and Leah Clearwater have joined the pack. It is our first female werewolf. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if we'll go into it now, but Leah is a character I'm very happy to see. Could she be our feminist icon that we've been searching for? Oh, we'll see. Mm. Probably not in this book, but... No. Well, she doesn't really get much to say. No. Well, look at the end. Potential. Yeah. Bella asks Edward to sit out of the fight and stay with her. Bella just can't stand the idea of Edward taking part in the fight and him being away from her and her not being able to help. But she feels horrible about taking him out of the fight because it means that there's one less fighter on their side, possibly putting the others in greater danger. But Edward and his family agree to this. Two nights before the fight, Bella and Edward are staying at the Cullen house alone. Bella tries to seduce Edward. She has decided that she wants to experience sex as a human before she becomes a vampire. Edward repeats his stance from the first two books. Skull crushing, etc. Yeah. He's not going to do it. He doesn't want to bang her to death. But Edward agrees to try to have sex with Bella if she marries him first. Bella reluctantly agrees to marry Edward. And so he gives her his mother's engagement ring. And they are officially engaged. Congrats. It's an exciting moment. No, because he's completely manipulated her. I won't give you the D unless you marry me. Well, obviously you're going to marry him. Is that what you'd do? No. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I'd give him the ultimatum. I'm like, you either give it to me or I'm going. I can't marry right. someone I've never sat with. The next morning, Alice guilts Bella into letting her plan the wedding, and Edward and Bella set off to leave a trail for the newborns to follow. Jacob then carries Bella to where she'll be hiding during the fight so that her scent is masked by his and the newborns won't be able to find her. It's quite clever. On the way, Jacob tells Bella that by blood, he was destined to be the alpha of the pack, but chose not to step up. He didn't want the responsibility. That night, Bella and Edward are in a tent. I've put on the side of a mountain. Do you know where they are? They're on top of a mountain. Are they on the top of a mountain? that's why it's so cold and windy. But where are the trees? Look, I didn't write this. Okay. (laughs) Okay, I'm just gonna go with this then. So they're, they're on top of a mountain in a tent. Jacob is outside in wolf form. There's a snowstorm going on, but Jacob needs to be in his wolf state to psychically keep touch with the pack for updates. Bella is freezing to death, so Jacob calls for Seth to come and keep guard in his place, and he becomes human. He gets into Bella's sleeping bag with her and warms her up. Bella dreams, or thinks she dreams, this conversation between Edward and Jacob about how they're both in love with her. Yeah, it must be awful. That's why I've stopped going up mountains. (laughs) That's why I don't camp. Just break too many hearts. (laughs) The next morning, Jacob leaves in wolf form, but while he's still in earshot, Edward gets Bella to mention their engagement. And it breaks Jacob's heart, and Bella feels terrible. Edward fetches Jacob back so that Bella can talk to him, and then he leaves them alone uh, to give them some privacy. Jacob then threatens to get himself killed in the battle if Bella doesn't kiss him. This makes me so, so angry. So Bella asks him to kiss her. She kisses him back and feels some love for him. Why this choice? Jacob leaves to fight and Edward returns. He's heard everything that's happened in the thoughts of the pack. He isn't angry with Bella. He can see in the thoughts of the pack and in Jacob's thoughts that Jacob was manipulating and lying to Bella. He never would have allowed himself to be killed. That was never his plan. And he would have kissed Bella even if she hadn't asked him to. So he was just going to force himself on her. Again. Again. The big battle begins between the newborns, the Cullens and the wolves. Edward can follow it through the collective thoughts of the pack through Seth, who stands guard outside the tent. 
It all seems to be going quite well until suddenly Edward rips them out of the tent and tells Seth to go. Victoria made the sudden decision to follow Edward's scent in the hope that Bella would be wherever he is. Thanks to Bella, this is true. Victoria and Riley arrive at the campsite, an attractive young blonde. Hey, why are they always blonde? They are always blonde, aren't they? Yeah, long and blonde. Edward uses information from Riley's thoughts to tell him that Victoria is only using him and doesn't love him as she's claimed to. Victoria speaks for the first time in three books and Bella's shocked by her hyper-feminine voice. Three books. I know. It's the first time Victoria has spoken. Also, like, why this choice? Why give Victoria a high-pitched voice? She said that it's the kind of voice that goes with curly blonde hair and bubblegum. Like, I'm imagining Reese Witherspoon in Legally Blonde. But, like, why? Why, why, why that this... choice? Yeah, why yeah. is this necessary? Why can't she, like, have a deep, husky, sexy voice? But also, she doesn't need to. I, for me, it's not necessarily the sound of her voice. It's the way that Bella perceives it. Mm, childlike, isn't it? A childlike voice. Mm. Is it supposed to make her creepier? Or is it supposed to make her less creepy? I don't have a problem with it. I do. Do you? Yeah, I didn't like it. It doesn't bother me. I just would like to know what the point is. Bella, it just, it's something that Bella comments on for seemingly no reason. Mm. Seth returns, and he and Edward begin to fight Riley and Victoria. At one point, Riley gets the upper hand, and it seems as though Seth is in danger. So Bella takes a sharp piece of rock <laughs> and cuts her arm with it. <laughs> right? Oh, God, she's such a numpty. <laughs> Oh, ten points for use of the word numpty. <laughs> I never thought we'd get to the word numpty on this podcast. <laughs> this is the third wife thing, right? It's from the legend that she heard from Billy Black at the campfire mm. of a, a woman sacrificing herself, her blood distracting the vampires, and so the men that are fighting for them mm. are able to, to get the upper hand. So Bella thinks she's doing that really cool, noble thing. So Bella cutting her arm with this sharp rock, it does cause a momentary distraction uh, in which Edward has to help Seth begin to dismember Riley before swiftly returning to Victoria and beheading her before she can escape. Seth had been faking it, so Bella cut herself and caused more drama for no reason, which is just the story of her life, really. They burn the bodies of Victoria and Riley and head to the battle site to meet the others because the Volturi guard are on their way. The Volturi made the decision to halt the newborn army but conveniently timed their arrival until after fighting had broken out. Basically, no one at the Volturi would have shed a tear if a couple of the Cullens had been lost. They'd be quite happy for that coven to reduce in size. They're quite threatened by Carlisle and his ideology. Uh, And that's quite transparent, particularly to Edward, because he can read minds. At that moment, Leah decides to take on a hidden newborn alone, and Jacob has to act quickly to protect her, getting himself badly hurt in the process. Bella faints when she hears that. When she wakes up, she's in the meadow with the Volturi guard. They've arrived, led by Jane. They're surprised to see that the battle is over, and that the Cullens are all alive. One of the newborns, a girl called Bree, has surrendered, and Carlisle would like to take responsibility for her and teach her to live like the Cullens do, but Jane won't have that. So Bree's killed and the Volturi leave after Jane comments that Caius will be interested to know that Bella is still human. Bella goes to visit Jacob, who's recovering from having all the bones on one side of his body crushed. They have a really emotional goodbye. Bella is going to marry Edward and become a vampire. And the fantasy of a normal life with Jacob is finally over. She has made that decision. 
Bella goes home and spends the night mourning for her relationship with Jacob, but the next morning feels better, and she and Edward start to put things in motion for their wedding. Then we get the epilogue, and it's the first time we shift our narrative perspective from Bella to Jacob. He's still mourning the loss of Bella as a friend and the possibility of romance, and he's pushed over the edge when he receives a wedding invitation. He can't cope with that. He shifts into his wolf form and runs far into the forest, possibly never to return. And that is where this book ends. So, Chloe, you're going to talk about something that came up for you reading this. Yes. Then I'm going to talk about something that came up for me. And then we've got something to talk about together. Yes, we do. Okay. A joint topic. I just want to talk about the third wife. The third wife became a real icon for Bella. Yeah, very quickly. So she really the... latched onto that character. Because she has a martyr complex and she thinks she is the reason for everything. She thinks she's responsible for literally everyone in her life. Yeah. Despite the fact that she's maybe the least capable. Jacob, Edward, Edward's family, Jacob's like brothers, Billy... I would say maybe Charlie is the only one that realistically she does have some responsibility for. But even that, he's a grown man and a police officer. He carries a gun. I don't know why Bella thinks that she needs to protect any of these people. I know. And yes, everything is about her because it's her story. But not everything is about her. (laughs) (laughs) It shouldn't be. Yeah. And my favourite part of Eclipse are the other people's stories. When we just kind of divert from the main plot of Edward and Bella and their story together. When we learn about Rosalie, it's amazing. And then the stories at the bonfire, the tribe stories, I thought they were great, actually. Sometimes Maya has such good ideas, but she doesn't follow them through. Because I would be more interested in learning everybody's backstories and, and learning more about the tribe. I think they're more fascinating than... Bella and Edward. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think a lot is sacrificed to focus on this romance. Yeah. But it is a romance novel. That's yes. the problem here. Yeah. <laughs> this is the And I loved it, and that's romance. what I wanted at the time yeah. with these books. I needed it. I needed a representation of, like, this undying love that I thought we all should go through. None of us should go through this shit. You know, the third wife story, it is fascinating, but it's tainted by Bella's reaction to it. The third wife could have been the feminist icon that we're searching for. Could she? No. There's a possibility. I suppose it's the saviour in the unlikely place, isn't it? Because the women do nothing until this third wife does something. Yeah. But even the fact that she is third wife... Yeah, I was going to say. Not only does she not have a name... She's not even just the wife. She's (laughs) She's the the third third one. Yeah, but apparently he was more in love with her than anybody else. Well, you would say that, wouldn't you, when she saved everyone's life? It really annoys me that Bella latches onto this story the minute she hears it. And she dreams about it, and Edward is like, what's the third wife? And she avoids the conversation. And then in the tent with Edward and Jacob, when they're talking, he asks Jacob about the third wife, and obviously Jacob thinks of the story straight away. Mm-hmm. And he's like, of course, like, don't you understand why Bella would cling on to that story? No, because why would any sane person listen to that story and go, I am the third wife? Yeah, I've never really thought about that. Why? Is it because she is surrounded by the powerful and has no power? The third wife manages to save her... Loved ones. Loved ones, Mm. even though the loved ones have supernatural powers and she doesn't. It's a really stressful and really self-destructive act, but it's one that gives you power that no one else has. Yeah. 
because, as Bella says, she is the only one, as Jasper agrees, which is yes awkward. Yeah, she is the one who could do this. Yeah, and that's interesting as well. Like Jasper's reaction to it, and Edward going crazy. And again, that just shows you the... would. Well, but... I suppose, but he just had a thought. Like you can't penalize people for thinking. Edward is the thought police. Yeah, he's a censor. Yeah, he's a dick. It's as if Bella has created a situation in order for her to do it. It is. You're right. As soon as there is a situation where that could possibly be the answer, Mm. she's there ready to do it. Yeah. I don't know if you can argue, but there is strength in that. It's a very extreme way to take power or to demonstrate power. I don't know whether there is something in that, in a woman claiming power that way, but a woman shouldn't have to die to claim the power. Ultimately, she is being killed in order for the men to survive, Mm -hmm. and she is having to sacrifice everything for the family, for the unit. Yeah. Why that choice? I think I hinted at this in the last episode... I wasn't particularly happy with what went on in Eclipse. Mm-hmm. And, and this is why. I'm talking about Jacob's sexual assault of Bella. Yeah. Can that... you please give us the police report? <sighs> I wish I could. Mm. But you know who didn't file a police report? Bella. Charlie Swan. Oh. Her police officer father. That's so true. <sighs> I just want to go r- r- just right off the bat. Sexual assault is what this is. Fine. It's just a kiss. A kiss is sexual touching. It yeah. is one person putting their body on another person without consent. I'm focusing mainly on chapter 15. I know that it then goes on to happen again, but I've got particular issues with chapter 15. They almost overshadow my issues with chapter 23 of... Wow. This is big. It's massive, actually. It's a real shame. Chapter 15, in which men are the absolute fucking worst. So not only have they been manipulating and gaslighting Bella... Throughout the entirety of the first half, we now have this. And this is, I think, an important thing to note. Throughout the saga so far, we have emotional and psychological abuse. Eventually, it's going to lead to this. And it's a shame that it's Jacob. But here we are. Jacob says, You can have me the way I am, bad behaviour included, or not at all. This is never okay. You don't get to ask me to change. You can have me behaving exactly as I am, or not at all. Yeah. That's not a good friend. Bella tells us in her narration, it was wrong to keep my friend when that would hurt him. No. No. Jake is responsible for his own feelings and decisions. Can't believe I'm sticking up for Bella, but she has told him... We've said it before, but we don't expect to be sticking up for Bella a lot of the time. She is the narrator and we are harsh on her. We are hard on her, but it's because we we know she can do better. She can do so much better. We expect more. Yeah. We're not mad, Bella. We're just, just disappointed. disappointed. But not about this. This is not Bella's fault. No. She does nothing wrong I here. I completely agree. He took my chin in his hand, no. holding it firmly so that I couldn't look away from his intent gaze. Bella's description of the kiss. His lips crushed mine. He kissed me angrily, roughly, his other hand gripping tight around the back of my neck, making escape impossible. I shoved against his chest with all my strength, but he didn't even seem to notice. I grabbed his face, trying to push it away, failing again. When it gets really dark, I find this a little bit further down, when she says, acting on instinct, I let my hands drop to my side and shut down. I opened my eyes and didn't fight, didn't feel, just waited for him to stop. I find that really upsetting. Yeah. And I don't know how I read this as a teenager and wasn't upset. I said in the last episode that I have no memory, really, of this book. 
So the, this obviously didn't stick with me. Also, I know, and we've talked about it before, that in our relationship with this saga, I've been more pro-Jacob than I have been pro-Edward. Yeah. Why did this event not stick in my mind? And I just think that's what the patriarchy does to us. Yeah. We live in a system of oppression that affects the way that all of us think. And it's only, it's moments like this that you're like, wow, this is bleak. (laughs) I I thought exactly the same. It's just really sad because I think all women have been there. When Bella says, you broke my hand, he says, you broke your hand. Jacob tells Bella that he'll be thinking about the kiss tonight and so will she. Ew. That's gross. When they get to Bella's house, Charlie's asking what happened. Bella says, I broke my hand punching Jacob in the face. Charlie asks why, and Jacob says, I kissed her. And Charlie's words are, good for you, kid. Charlie. I'm so mad. (laughs) So mad at Charlie. Charlie says to Bella, maybe you should pick on someone your own size. Unacceptable. Charlie only bothers to get up off the sofa when he thinks Edward is going to fight Jacob. Not when his daughter has been... Returns home with a broken hand. Yeah having been kissed, clearly, without her consent. There is all this bullshit about pressing charges, and Bella says, why don't you arrest me, Dad? I'm the one throwing the punches. And Charlie kind of raises his eyebrows and asks Jake if he wants to press charges. You know who might want to press charges? Your daughter who's been sexually assaulted. Doesn't occur to anyone. Edward is then the best he has ever been. Yes. Agreed. He says to Jacob, you might want to wait for her to say it rather than trust your interpretation of body language. Yes. Yes. There is a complicated discussion to be had about non-verbal consent. Yeah. But in this particular situation, and most situations, always wait for her to say it. Yeah. Unless you are getting very clear. Yeah enthusiastic consent and Edward is is dead right there but then we get into Edward saying she is mine and (sighs) I'm instantly bored of him again fuck that this is where I put macho macho man again it becomes all about competition and fighting who owns this woman Bella is a reward from like winning a fight basically none of the characters in this chapter realised that what Jacob did was sexual assault and neither I imagine did most of the readers in 2007 given that most of the readers would have been teens and young teens like Mm -hmm. we were I did not realise that this was sexual assault when I read this in 2008 whenever it would have been yeah no me neither I get that Jacob, like all of us, has grown up in the patriarchy and so naturally absorbs its messages and ideals. Maybe he's not quite at the age where he should be questioning those messages and ideals he's receiving from the media, the larger culture, but his arrogance about the incident and the fact that he then does it again towards the end of the book is revolting. Uh, And this is the point. I pretty much draw a line now. Jacob ceases to be a sympathetic character for me. And I don't know how that's going to affect me throughout Breaking Dawn, my reading of that book. But for the rest of this book, the second kiss that he forces on her and then Bella starts to feel love for him. I just, I couldn't. Their goodbye, the emotional goodbye, the loss of the friendship, her affection for him in his wolf form. There's lots of little moments throughout the rest of this book. None of it was enough for me to feel for Jacob again or to think of him as one of the good guys. I officially don't really care. Not that I don't care what happens to him, Mm. but I don't care about what he wants. I don't care about what he needs. I don't think that he's a good guy until I see genuine and true remorse for this. 
but I pretty much know we're not going to see that because it's not being asked for by yeah. anyone. He's not been taught or told or brought up to believe that what he's done is something that needs apologising for. I know that he does give a bit of an apology at some point. It's not heartfelt, though. It isn't. No. And it doesn't stop him from doing it again and doing yeah. it in... In, in a, a much worse way. It's blackmail. Manipulating her it. in order for her to ask for it. Yeah. To ask for the abuse. It's despicable. And after everything that we said in the last episode about how refreshing it is to have a native character yeah. as a positive good guy, one of the three main characters of this saga, to have him commit this really upsetting yeah. act and to have this kind of arrogant stance yeah. on it. And it just, it all it all ties back. And it, these are messages that we've been getting throughout this series now. We're starting to see these themes recur and recur. It's boys will be boys. Yeah. Men can do what they want. Women are property. Yeah. Um, She's always going to be the damsel. She's always going to be, you know, needing to be looked after. Yeah. Protected. Just to finish off on chapter 15, just because mm. once I started, I couldn't stop. <laughs> Edward takes Bella to see Carlisle to get her hand fixed up. The best thing about this chapter is that we get to see Rosalie fixing up a car. But then, like, sentences later, it's revealed that Emmett and Jasper have a bet about how many people Bella will murder in her first year as a vampire. It will make Jasper feel better if she struggles with their no-human diet. Because fuck Bella's feelings, right? Yeah. Abhorrent behaviour. Yeah. Also, what why? What the fuck? And what, what about these people's lives? Yes. To be trying to make fun out of that. Yeah. I just really hate when we keep getting these things about how Jasper hates feeling weak. Yeah. And that leads him into these kind of behaviours of almost wanting Bella to fail. Yeah. And it's not not wanting Bella to do well. It's wanting Bella to fail and murder people yeah. because it will make him feel better about his past. It's not good, and I'm really starting to just see the cracks in this family. I don't think it's a family that anyone should really want to be a part of. And then we pretty much finish the chapter off with Bella looking forward to being a vampire uh, so that she can be strong and fast and, most of all, beautiful. Because that's what really matters. If you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. We want to talk about engagement, and marriage, marriage, proposal. Yeah. Uh, okay, marriage. I have some questions for you. Didn't Bella and Edward already get engaged in New Moon? Uh, yes, I had the exact same thought. Even in the first chapter of Eclipse, she calls him... Fiancé. Yeah. She says, like, oh, I'm. that's what Edward would rather. Yeah. She's not stopping it. She doesn't want it, but, but she's not stopping it. But she's not happy about it. She's yeah. anxious about it. But it's in this half that it's properly discussed. And it's like there's a proposal. I wouldn't call it a proper proposal. But, um... Mm, I don't know. What's a proper proposal? Proper, pro proper, pro proposal. proper It's manipulative. It's like, I'm not going to sleep with you until we get married, so marry me. There's all yeah. these conditions in their relationship. But he's trying to overcome... Bella's objections to marriage. And this is what I wonder is, is how valid they are. Mm. So she says, maybe it wouldn't bug me so much if I didn't know that I would probably be gossiping just as condescendingly as the rest of them if it was someone else getting married this summer. I don't know. Is she so young to be getting married? Is well, she? yeah. But it's not that. It's, it's not, young. It's young. It's not too young. It's legal. I suppose. But the thing is, what, what's really in her head is, you know, her parents' relationship. Being well, that's what she says 
right after, maybe it wouldn't bug me so much if I hadn't been raised to shudder at the thought of marriage. This divorce has had a major effect on Bella. Yeah, but it, and it will. Your parents are divorced. Uh-huh. Mine are not. We're yeah. kind of two... Ends of the spectrum, I suppose. Of experience. I mean, until the age of 21, I didn't think I was ever going to get married. I didn't believe in it. And do you think your parents' divorce had an effect? Oh, absolutely. By my age, both my mum and my grandmother uh, were married and divorced. So fear of divorce is what would stop you from... I'm not sure it's fear of divorce. I think it's fear of too many marriages. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I I think it was a fear of a lot of things. I think for me, personally, it was feeling like I could never trust a man to marry him. Not because my dad left, it was the opposite, but... Did it just feel like too big a step? Yeah, too big a... I just think, oh, I, I'm just never going to find someone that I would want to do that with. Because I think I was just stuck in this world of, like, passionate love, all-consuming, intoxicating, but that be it. I've never really, until very, very recently, had had to think about a proper future with a man before. Because I've never been with someone that I thought, oh, okay, yeah. Have you never seen... Because I, I remember um, conversations that we've had mm. when I've been in previous relationships. <laughs> and for me, I've, in a way, always wanted to get married. Yeah, we've always been opposites on this, I think. Yeah. Yeah. My parents married. That That's the kind of model I, was, I grew up with. Um, and so it was something that I always wanted... And when I've been in relationships in the past, I've always felt that if I couldn't imagine marrying someone, there is no point in me continuing the relationship with them. And I, I agree with that. I'm not saying that that's the right thing to do at all. No, it's I, just... I think that's quite intense and I, I'm not advising that. <laughs> and you but... know, and when, when the hell do you realise that about someone? Exactly. Um, it could take a month, it could take years. And it but... could go back and forth. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, you know... We are only human, and mm. one day you might like someone, the next day you hate them. The yeah. next day you're like, no, I, I'm so in love with this person. Exactly. But for an 18-year-old to be considering such a big commitment, I think it is a bit young. But this is my, this is only my personal opinion. Yeah. You know, it depends on the couple, it depends on the person, it depends, depends on, on the place. Like it, different... it depends on the place. I mean, Forks is a small town. We come from the countryside, and we grew up in a, a very small town, and we lived in small villages. This is what I was going to ask, actually. Um, Bella's talk of like the gossip mm. surrounding people, and, mm. and that she would be gossiping just like they would if yeah. it was one of her classmates getting married that summer. We didn't have any classmates get married that young, did we? No. Mm. Mm. Uh, or bleep out the names or something. Oh! Do you remember? Yes! When did they get married? How um, old were they? Six four. Yeah. Yeah. So what's that? That's got to be 18. Yeah. So we probably did and... We probably did we condescending. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing it now. Yeah. That's what this podcast is. Yeah. I think when reading the book, I did think it was too young to get married. But then maybe it was okay because of their relationship and the fact mm. that we're well, just going to be a vampire they're going to be spending eternity together. But then now, people are living longer. Women can have children later. You don't have to be, you know, in your teens or early 20s. Yeah, there's something get almost... at any age. It is quite old-fashioned to get married young. Yeah. I mean, I got married last year, age 25, and I'm still waiting for someone to tell me, oh, but you're so young to be married. No one ever has. And I've realised it's, it's not young. <laughs> but I still think... like yeah, I, do, I remember... In my head, it's young. Okay, good. Yeah. Will you tell me? <laughs> Chloe, I'm married. But you're so young. Oh, I know. 
I remember you telling me and me being like, well, it, it was amazing. It's a fantastic news. But also like, ah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> As we said, I'd always wanted to get married. Mm. And when I got a bit older, that didn't necessarily change. But my, I think my feelings about marriage changed a little bit. The relationships that seem most serious in our culture, in our society, and they command the most respect are the relationships that have been in some way sanctified or documented Mm. in a way that has historically been denied homosexual couples. And I don't actually believe that marriage should change anything about the seriousness of a relationship. No, I don't either. A part of me dislikes buying into an institution that is so steeped in normative gender roles because they don't mean anything. Mm. Marriage doesn't mean anything. Gender doesn't mean anything. Mm. Unless we ascribe meaning to it, and that comes from our own yeah. the decisions that we make. But ultimately, I did always want to share my life with one person. And marriage is just what we know. It's yeah. what we grow up with. And it's got a lot of benefits. The whole reason marriage has benefits is because we live in a world where, where everything is easier if you're in a two. Absolutely. Preferably female and male. And that's how you kind of get on yeah. in life. And I don't think that's a good reason to do it. No. But when you find yourself in a situation with someone where you want to spend the rest of your lives together, it is the most convenient thing to do. There's no reason not to do it. And that sounds horribly unromantic. And I do love, <laughs> I have to say, I love being married. I love being married to Ross. Husband feels like a much better, much more accurate description of what he is to me than mm. boyfriend or partner or other half ever yeah. did. Although I don't believe that marriage validated our relationship or made our relationship any more real or important. It just gave me that language to kind of take our relationship out into the world. And also it's a celebration. Well, this is what I was going to say. Like, now I'm not opposed to getting married. I think I'd quite like it. But it has to be on my terms and it has to be just a very small celebration of love. I want my friends to be like, we condone this. We we confirm that Exactly. And that was a big thing for Ross and I as well. Mm. Because same-sex marriage is not legal in all parts of the mm. UK. It's not in Northern Ireland, so that is not the entirety of the UK. Yeah. We're still not unified on that. It was very special for us to spend a day surrounded by people who would celebrate our love as equal to any other. Yeah. It doesn't matter what kind of love, but I think just to know that you are loved by the people around you, your families, your chosen families... And that they love your love Mm. is important and is a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, I think maybe I just thought I'd never have that and that's why I didn't want to get married. Which is rough. Have you ever come close to being engaged? So with my second boyfriend, I know for a fact, if I had stayed where we were living at Mm -hmm. the time and I wanted that sort of life, we would have a house and we would probably be on our way to be getting married now. But You knew you didn't want that. Yeah, and that's why it didn't happen. There was never a moment of... Oh, God, he's going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) No. What would your ideal proposal look like? Definitely not what Bella and Ed would have on the bed, being like, I'm not going to sleep with you, but (laughs) I'll marry you instead. Oh, no, that was my exact proposal. (laughs) No, (laughs) No, I'm kidding. It was in bed, though. Yeah, but it wasn't a, I want to sleep with you. No, but marry me and then I'll sleep with you. Yeah, no, I've never done that. (laughs) (laughs) Never turn down free sex. Absolutely. 
<laughs> you were so quick to I know, agree. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Give me free time. <laughs> I'm so sick of paying for it. <laughs> I was actually thinking about this recently. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about how would someone go about proposing to me and I just don't see it happening. Like, I don't know what I would like. And then I was like, would I do it? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I honestly don't think I would be happy with anything. <laughs> Wait, you wouldn't be like, that wasn't good enough. Oh, I think I would. <gasps> yeah, that's the problem. And then you'd be disappointed mm, that that was your proposal. Yeah, and then, you know what I'm like? I'd just be like, so, he proposed to me like this, and it would just go on like forever. Like, 50 ever. years into yeah. the future, you'd be like, oh, yeah, but remember that time you proposed yeah. to me? Well, with my first husband, the, <laughs> the reason it didn't work out was because of how he proposed. Because Does it need to be an event? Ooh, you want an event. Ooh. You do. I think so. I think it would just be nice if we were somewhere... Somewhere yeah. you want to be like a where. restaurant, oh, the ring really on the want, lobster no. claw. <laughs> I don't really want it in a restaurant. Okay. I don't know. I would right, I, put it out into the world now. This is your chance okay. for all the men out there. When you're getting ready to propose to Chloe, because <laughs> there is a queue. Set the scene. <laughs> you need. I want it to just be me and the person, mm-hmm. and I want it to be somewhere isolated. Okay. Oh God, it sounds more like a murder then. I was going to say, so yeah. no one can find the body? Like... <laughs> he proposes, I kill him, I keep the jewellery. I just don't know where. Well, maybe that's a good thing. But yeah, do you think Bella had this idea of being proposed in this way? No, because she didn't want that to get married. And yeah. I'm still struggling with why she's so opposed to it. Mm. Is the age thing the number one thing? Is the divorce thing the number one thing? Is it really 50 50? Is the number one thing. But where I don't buy the divorce argument is her attitude to Edward. After what she went through in New Moon, Mm. we know that she believes that she could not survive without Edward. She fully intends to be with him for the rest of her existence. Yeah. The only thing she doubts is how long he wants to be with her. I mean, is that it? Is it that she doesn't want to marry him? to then have him leave her. Oh, maybe. But I thought we were getting past this, but then every time I think we're getting past this, they slip right back into it. (laughs) Yeah, she's so irrational and she's not logical. You know, not only with with marriage, going in and out of it and then agreeing to it. And then, you know, like Edward's saying, he's like, you're just doing this for everybody else, not yourself. So let's elope or let's not get married and let's have the sex. And then she says, no, let's not have sex. Let's wait and get married. He wants to give you the D. Just take the fucking D. I know, and we've all been waiting. I know. See, it's not just me. We're all chomping up the bit. Crush that fucking skull. Can I confess, though... That in the lead up to him revealing the ring, I did find like I found myself smiling. I was on the train and I was wow, reading it. Really? And then at the end, when she, Alice is showing the wedding dress and she asks her to be her maid of honor, maybe I just watched too many like BBC Three. Like, <laughs> don't tell the bride. <laughs> Say yes to the dress and all that. But there's, there was a part of me that like I was smiling, and I was like, oh no. No, you're, just, you're looking at me with your arms crossed. <laughs> <laughs> no, is it just me that got those, like, tingly? No, it's not just you, I'm sure, you know. I'm sure all the other 13-year-old girls yeah. also felt... <laughs> I, just, I just didn't think it was the right way to propose. It wasn't the conversation that you want to be having to try and persuade someone to marry you. Is it the sex? Do you you have to proposal... know what you're buying. It's like taking a car for a test drive. You oh. have to know the speed, the you mileage. You know what you're working with. Yeah. The mileage. 
<laughs> when was its last MOT? <laughs> Do you think that proposals should be separate to sex? Do you think a proposal is, is a sexual occasion? Oh my god, if someone proposed to me whilst having sex with me, I would be so angry. I'd really? Be so angry I didn't me. know, literally until you finished that sentence, I didn't know <laughs> if you were going to say happy or angry. Like I... No! I'd be livid! You've seen that episode of Sex in the City. Charlotte's having sex with Harry and she's like, you can marry me if I'm not Jewish. And he's like, yeah. Oh, and then he doesn't mean it. Yeah, I don't want that. Okay, well, that's... I think that's it on their proposal. We've not really got a nice even finish off for this, have we? But basically, um, I'm sure stay in school. Somewhere. Don't get married at 18, or if you want to, do. Yeah. You know, get married when you want to get married and not because your boyfriend is telling you that he will only sleep with you. Yes. But also, on the other hand, if you want to get married at 18 and you believe it to be the right thing, do it. Don't yeah. And not if you want to wait to marriage, that's fine as long as it's both consensual. Exactly. Basically, whatever you do yeah. in sex, in marriage, in life, in banking, just don't <laughs> do anything that you don't feel is right. Yes. <laughs> Especially with banking. It's burning question time! <laughs> you enjoy that so much. I really do. I've had a couple of burning questions. Mm-hmm. All right, show I'm... off. Chloe over here with her multiple burning questions. <laughs> Some of us struggle to reach one. I'm just going to ask you, you. Bring it. Can men imprint on men? Oh my god, oh my god, this was my... I had a question. I wrote this in the margin of my book. I just got so excited and so high-pitched and so quick. Oh, I've written this in my Aww. book. I've, I've written... Because this is the bit where Jacob is talking about how creepy it sounds that Quill imprinted on the two-year-old. Because it is creepy. And he's like, you've got it all wrong, it's not like that. And he's saying it's like gravity, it's just something that happens. When you see her, suddenly it's not the earth that's holding you here anymore, it's she does. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nothing matters more than her, and you would do anything for her, and be anything for her, and whatever (laughs) she needs. And I just thought... Or him? Yeah, Can exactly. boys imprint on boys? So? Short answer, I'm going to go... Yes. Yay! I'm going to say, I have to. Yeah. I have to. Gay rights! Yay! Yeah, surely. It's interesting because I bet you can imprint on a man, and I bet they'd accept that now, now that Leah is a wolf. Mm. But they never thought that a girl would become a wolf. Yeah. So now surely she is able to imprint on a man, mm. if that were to happen. Oh, I hope Leah can imprint on a man. Or a woman. Or a woman, I think. Mm. We'll get into what I think about Leah and her sexual preferences. I think she's going to be our feminist lesbian icon we've all been looking for. Oh. I don't know. If she ends up disappointing me, heads will roll. But She did have dreams about kissing Bella. Oh my God, I know. I got so excited about that. Did you? (laughs) (laughs) I got really excited. She got very angry, yet titillated. Exactly. Mm. She's like, oh, stupid Jacob, because of your thoughts in my head I've been dreaming about <laughs> kissing girls that's how Leah talks I was just about to say I was like wow <laughs> I don't know if you realise but that is Leah's voice and um stupid stroke stroke <laughs> making me dream about kissing the girls I love that she's from the East she's End she's actually an East End street urchin <laughs> Um, but, but yes, I, I, I got very excited. I think that she, I think she enjoyed her little sex dream. I think she did as well about Bella. I'm just looking forward to the fan fiction. There's got to yes. be some great Bella Leah fan fiction. Anyway, but why does everybody have to desire Bella? Though? <laughs> no. Leah could do so You're much so better. Right. Leah and Emily. Yeah. Oh, that, well, they are cousins. Oh. <laughs> 
Never mind, I take it back. I mean, who yeah. knows? Leah and Rosalie. If oh. they're my two favourites, yeah. Leah and Jessica Stanley. Oh, here we go. Justice mm. for Jess. Yes. Yeah. What's tricky about imprinting is that it's like, oh, of course the person being imprinted on has a choice. Of course they can choose something different. But why would you choose something different than total adoration? That kind of grey area... Mm. That still bothers me. It'd be very interesting. I'd love to read a spin-off book about someone being imprinted on and choosing to go and be with someone else. Yeah. But I don't know what this never happens that we know of in this universe. How much does imprinting actually have to do with sexual orientation? Is it more about, like... I think it's more fluid, isn't it? It Well, it should be. Could you have a platonic imprint? Could two best friends imprint? Mm-hmm. And not have a sexual relationship. Are you talking about us? Oh my god, have we imprinted? Maybe we have. It's just Bella that's making it. But just Bella and Jacob that are making it about sex and a sexual and romantic relationship. Really, they're the problem. They are the problem. Mm. Chloe, it's time for your final verdict on the novel Eclipse. Are you a fan of this book today? (sighs) (laughs) Same. I thought... Eclipse was good. I thought it was one of the best novels Oh, in my head before starting to read it again. I was like, oh no, Eclipse is going to be fine. It's interesting because it's got all those different stories in yeah. it. Yeah, that's what kept me going. Mm-hmm. The sexual assault, the manipulation, the gaslighting and the pathetic fight that we don't really get to hear about, which could have been awesome, which she does all the fucking time. Yeah, always has like the main yeah. action happen away from us, the yeah. reader. Because she's lazy. Would you have encouraged your teenage self to read this book? If I was there to guide and say this is not okay, then yes. If not... Mm. Maybe provide an annotated copy. Yeah, because I notoriously have let men disrespect me throughout my entire life, so I think it would have been good to uh, read that it's not okay. And also, you don't want a man to angrily and frustratingly kiss you, unless it's in the bedroom and have asked for it. What has this book taught you? Oh, this book has taught me nothing. Stephanie Meyer can't write. Remember when we started this podcast and we said we're we're going to do our best to not make it about Stephanie Meyer and not just make it about slating this author? Look, it's been a really shit week and the second half of this book, the the treatment of the women... is dreadful. Yeah, there's no variety of people. It's just the same people. So nothing. Nothing. Thank you for joining us for the second part of our discussion of the novel Eclipse. We'll be back in two weeks to delve into the final book in the series, Breaking Dawn. But in the meantime, you can chat to us on social media at ForksCast. And you can rate, review and subscribe to What the Forks on your favourite podcast platform. Until next time, look after yourselves. And remember, 